welcome to the Bliss Tonic Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Anthony, yoga instructor, educator, and straight up yoga nerd. You know you're in the right place if you're ready to apply yogic technologies and wisdom into your human experience. That's right. We're here to take action. (laughs) Are you ready to dive into season two where we are going to get real about all of this 2020 business and how we can apply yogic wisdom to be a better human? Let's do it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today we are going to talk about doubt. So specifically, I want to talk about doubt in the context of the spiritual realm. It's something that I, you know, tried to touch on in my interview with Avine. If you haven't listened to that, I will put a link to that in the show notes. Not sure exactly which episode it is, um, but I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. Otherwise, I would say it's a couple episodes back in season one. So some a question that I had it was in regards to doubt. Um, and, you know, I think this can happen on our path when we are going through changes and can see um, not the error in our ways, right? But when we, and, and last week we talked about avidya, ignorance. We don't know better until we know better, Um and not even know better. You know, we maybe just don't know um, until we know something different (laughs) and wake us up to our own ignorance. So in a way, I can see how, you know, doubt can play into ignorance as a whole or not knowing. Um, However, I am specifically talking about, you know, like, experiences that I've had um, that I would deem as spiritual experiences. And when the Shakti, this energy um, potency of those experiences has faded, um, and then it leaves us with a sense of doubt, right? Has that ever happened to you where, you know, you have a really powerful experience? Maybe this was a long time ago, um, you know, and me specifically, I have a couple in mind that I'm thinking of that were just experiences full of Shakti that completely um, had changed my life. Um, and, you know, then years go by and we think about those experiences and think, did that really happen? We doubt ourselves. And what that points to is, you know, either an awakening to ignorance or like we know better now, we know something we didn't know then. Um, or it points to this lack of abhyasa and viragya. So this is a um, cornerstone of the practice of yoga. <laughs> and it's interesting because that's the one of the words is the practice. Abhyasa is practice and viragya is detachment and specifically to the fruits of our actions. So the reason that the yogic tradition has a 
uh, well, many yogic traditions has what's called, you know, an intense practice or, you know, you commit yourself to a 40 day practice. And it's the reason why I offer a lot of 40 day, specifically 40 day meditation practices or commitments or challenges that have you commit for a certain amount of time to a more intense practice. And the reason that, you know, the tradition has this as, you know, one of its practices that it gives seekers is because it helps to dispel doubt. Through intense practice, we can awaken um, to the fruit of our practice, right? When we see the fruit of our practice, we believe and we develop a sense of faith in the practice. But when we are not in the practice, it's easy to sink into doubt. And, you know, especially in regards to certain experiences. And for me specifically, uh, I'll share a little bit about, you know, my experiences before, which I, they were valid. They were valid. Um, and I've talked about this a couple times about living in Canada and, you know, dealing with spirits like daily um, and just a lot of crazy stuff like, just channeling and dream time stuff happening and um yeah c- communication <laughs> i'm i'm going to sound crazy and it that's 100% okay with me and and like conversations with um aliens not like obviously i'm not like i'm sitting here talking to y- nobody i'm talking to you but i'm talking to a microphone but not like that Right. More. Uh, it's like a, a mental cognition um, thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, like visiting um, other star systems in my dreams and, um, you know, having uh, my partner at the time tell me <laughs> that they witnessed something happening while I was having these experiences. Um, so, it was almost like validated um, because it was like, oh my gosh, this crazy thing happened to me in dreams. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, while you were sleeping, I noticed this thing happening. Um, anyways, very new agey stuff, um, but it, it was real. Um, and looking back at some of that, I think like, was that real? Um, and I think the answer is yes, it was real and it was where my current understanding was because, right, the the whole situation was I was dealing with a lot of negative spirits. There was the beautiful moments and obviously the connection to my alien friends and yes, I believe in aliens. Um, <laughs> uh, I've yeah studied a little bit about the Pleiadians and have connected with them in my opinion. Um So anyways, looking back at that, I, and it's not something that I logically am like, oh, I don't believe that happened to me. I do, but I notice a sense of doubt or almost judgment of myself. And I look back at those moments and think that the fact that I protected myself every day from those spirits called them in, um, in a lot of ways, um, which is really interesting to think about. And I had somebody point out to me and it's something I thought about a while ago. It's like, oh, when I don't constantly, you know, quote unquote, protect myself and say, oh, I protect myself from low vibrational negative and evil spirits in this million layer thick, whatever. It was like, oh, hey. (laughs) 
everybody come and try and uh, mess with me. Um, and I needed that though. I, I needed those experiences because I had fear. And, you know, those are some of the hindrances on our path. Other than just doubt, we have fear. And so in the beginning of my path, I had both. I had doubt, A, in my own abilities and B, in the reality of what I was seeking, right? Because it's not something that we can measure with, um, you know, our, our own senses in a way. We can't physically see this, right? It's something that is, um, you know, uh, untouched. We can't touch it with our physical being, right? We have to connect to our our energetic body in order to experience some of, you know, these spiritual um, new age, you know, experiences. Oh, so the other aspect of it is fear. And this is really interesting when they go hand in hand. I didn't expect I would be going this way. I got the yoga sutras in front of me. Um, (laughs) And now here we are talking about evil spirits and aliens. I love it. I love that the way this podcast is going as just a long ramble. And um, (laughs) here we are. Okay, fear. Fear and doubt going hand in hand because you're fearful of something that you doubt that it exists. Now, can I get a hallelujah on that? Because I know I'm not the only freaking person who is afraid of something that they're not sure um, if it exists. And I, can we just call that anxiety in some ways, right? When it's like, this isn't happening. I keep having this like daydream. I'm keep saying it out loud. And this is the last time I speak these words, but I keep like, you know, just sitting there thinking and whatever. And then I like imagine this whole freaking scene of like my son riot for some reason it falls into a lake or a river and he, I can't get him or he's sinking and the water is mucky. And, and then I just like notice this gripping fear. I'm like, where am I? There is my son. He's fine. (laughs) We're all fine. Um, So mind, just cut it out. So the fear aspect and going back to like those experiences of, you know, being afraid of what, you know, I mean, we all grew up with those scary movies. And when I say we, I mean, my friends forced me (laughs) sort of um, to go to scary movies where there was like scary demonic possessions and all of that shit. And, um, of course, being a sensitive person, um, (laughs) that refuses to normalize that kind of, uh, violence, um, I took it in and of course it fueled my nightmares and it fueled a part of my resistance to the spiritual path because what if that's real? What if I have to deal with it? What if I have to see that? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Anxiety. I think I just am awakening to the reality that I'm an anxious person and I have anxiety. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think that's the human condition. Let's be real. Um, But like, the more I dive into some of these weird ass beliefs I have, I'm like, I think I'm just, I think I'm anxious. <laughs> um, so anyways, I had a fear of that, but also like that can't be real. Um, and so there was like the doubt and the fear together. Well, anyways, I had these experiences that ripped both of that to shreds. Um, that was like, oh, it is real. 
And the fear was there initially. And then I learned that I can overcome and I learned how to protect myself or really it was not protect myself, but stand in my power. And I hope that makes sense for anybody who has a similar fear of dealing with, you know, negative spirits, but a desire to open your mind and heart and spirit to the unknown that, you know, it's not about protecting yourself, but standing in your power. Ugh, that is the biggest thing. For for sure, that is the biggest thing. It's about standing in your power and learning that like, you know, it's power over you is the fear. Um okay, now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. Um and you know, that's something too that I've, you know, I learned in my experiences and then listening to, you know, some podcasts where we talk about, um, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, it's not something that you protect yourself from, but investigate, um, with an open mind and, you know, just get clear about like you, you, so, and this is something that I actually had a spiritual advisor tell me is all shields are broken from the inside. So all shields are broken from the inside. It's what a part of us allows, okay? And so that's what I'm saying about standing in your power is what we allow. Okay, getting back to doubt and abiasa and viragya. So one thing I want to say about abiyasa, which is practice, the yogic practice, and yes, it is a you know specific practice uh, to overcome um, the fluctuations of the mind and the, their hold on our actions that create habits that create you know craving and addiction, and, and then then this path that just shoots us out into going on autopilot um, based on what's happened to us, right? I think we can see that in ourselves in a lot of ways. And I think I've said this once and I'll say it again. It's easier to see shit in other people than it is to see it in yourself. Um, so it's super easy to judge because of that, but really they're just showing us, um, what's in ourselves. Um, so it's, it's easy to see those, um, you know, in in other people. So what I want to say are, are the habits and, you know, the way that we are basically just sensory, (laughs) Um, we're on automatic sensory action mode. Um, so Abhyasa, the practice, what I want to say about this, and I think it's super important in the context of, mm, how do I say this? The watering down or the whitewashing of yoga as it is in the context of the Western world right now, where we think of yoga as, um, a, this is our exercise, right? And is it? Yeah, because we need purification. Like that's where we're at in the phases of practice um, or, you know, parts of our practice. Um, and it's something I learned recently in my Tantra Shakti yoga training through Para Yoga um, in my teacher Tanya in the cities is these different phases of practice. And the phase one is purification. Like, and this is a part of Abhyasa and Viragya is we cannot heal our, you know, the struggles of our mind that shoot out in every direction and, you know, the monkey mind, we cannot heal that from the mind that created the problem, right? So we can't heal the problem from the same mind that created the problem. And so what do we do? We 
purify. And that can be in the context of physical. We can purify the mind by giving it one thing to focus on and coming back to over and over and over and over in every single online course I've done and every single meditation commitment I've done. It's as simple and as challenging as developing one pointed focus, like holy moly. And this is why I did the Pratyahara challenge because like me and in my own life and my own self, I noticed the tendencies that honestly my phone has made way, way worse over time. It's like I'm in the middle of doing something. It's like, oh, let me just check this real quick. And then I'm over here and then I'm over there. And then I am like, whoa, um, I could have just completed this one freaking task that I started. <laughs> um, and this is why in my last yoga training, my 500 hour training, I magically drew the dritty. Um, this was for like, oh, what are we going to teach our 90 minute workshop on for our test out for our yoga training. And I drew out of the hat Dritti, which is steadfastness, <laughs> just like, eh, okay, I guess this is what I am needing. And it was really helpful for a time. And then you lose the practice or, and I'm going to bring this up. I know this is, you know, segueing from one thing um, to another, but this is, uh, this is 2.0 Blistonic Podcast, and um, this is just the way my mind is right now. This brings us to Viragya. Okay, and I'm going to go back to Abhyasa, I swear to God. <laughs> so Viragya is our detachment to the fruits of our practice, right? So sometimes our practice can deliver us like... <sighs> these mind-blowing moments like I spoke about um, before, right? We have moments of high intensity. Our capacity for Shakti increases. We have this capacity to hold massive amounts of energy in order to shift and elevate us and elevate our consciousness even for a time. And then it's our it's our practice to integrate that energy so that maybe, you know, maybe um, we're able to sustain some of that intensity of Shakti. Probably not. I remember one of one specific time um, I came back and it happened on a vacation and it was like complete. I, I mean, I was lost. I was like, well, I'm not in that state of unity. And it felt like I was grieving that moment in time. And, um, that's not the work. <laughs> and, and my teacher lovingly pointed that out. <laughs> um, so that was really like, okay, that's attachment, um, being attached to the fruits of my practice. And then guess what happens? You lose the practice, um, when you're attached to it or the practice becomes the attachment to the outcome. Um, and that's where I'm going to circle back to Abhyasa, right practice. It's not just doing a practice. It's doing the right practice. So if your practice is, so, and this is a quote from my teacher, so good. Who I don't know where she got it, but I just absolutely love it. And it's, you know, if you're not doing, and I don't, don't quote me on this quote. Okay. This is a loose quote. 
that if you're doing like the wrong practice, um, you know, if you're doing the right practice, it can help heal our neuroses. But sometimes our practice can just bring more energy to our neuroses. Okay. And so sometimes like our, our practice can amplify what is already going on with us that needs the help. But because it's not the right practice, it's amplifying all of our neurotic behaviors. And so, you know, I think this is something to contemplate on a physical level when we're talking about this watering down or whitewashed version of yoga that's 100% physical is that a lot of times the practice that we're doing amplifies our neurotic thoughts, actions, and then habits um, instead of attenuating them. So... In a physical physical standpoint, you know, sometimes we start getting aches and pains. And what is interesting and why I love alignment practices is that it usually isn't like I did one practice and now my shoulders hurt or blah, blah, blah. It's like extended over time. And that is why it's super important to, you know, select your teacher, be selective. Um, and maybe you're in a community where, you know, there's not, that many choices, but you want to find the teacher that offers what you specifically need. And that's why we need all kinds of teachers. We need teachers that are focusing on purification because as a society, that's, that's where we're at. And that's what we need. Um, we need to purify our minds because like me and myself, um, it's like, just so much going on. And then I'm in the phone and then I'm over here and we, that's, that's the need for purification. And if I'm doing a, a fast paced practice, that's like, oh, I got to get my practice in in 45 minutes because then I got to do this and I got to do that. And yes, exercise is great for us, but is that amplifying our neuroses? And, you know, I'm not, that's not a blanket statement um, or blanket answer, right? It's, a hundred percent personal. And I'm not here to tell you that you're doing it wrong because only you know, but I want you to think about for yourself is your practice that you're doing right now. Is it helping you or is it making you more neurotic? Okay. So that's just one element. And then, you know, another, uh, little beautiful golden light of <laughs> advice is if a, if, uh, you know, a pain or in your practice, you have something that's bugging you. If it stays with you for more than two weeks, that's something to look at. If it's like, you know, uh, some sort of pain or something for two weeks, it's maybe something clearing or something coming to the surface. But if it's more than two weeks, then it's something to investigate. Um, and this is where, you know, you can find a private yoga teacher to help you like Am I maybe doing chaturanga with improper alignment, causing me rotator cuff pain, which actually could be like you wearing down um, the ligaments in your shoulder that, you know, don't necessarily go back to the way they were. So it's super important to to seek help. Um, and I'm hoping to offer so many resources um, in the Patreon, in my yoga nerd and yoga teacher tier that will help people for a, a smaller cost because I understand, you know, a private yoga session isn't always affordable to everybody. Um, so I hope to offer a lot of information at a cheaper cost for $15 a month just to, to make this information more accessible to people and just offer up you know, everything that I think I know. <laughs>
Because I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. That's a video. I'm a human. Okay. I think I'm going to end with a little uh, reading from the Yoga Sutras. And this is the Samadhi Pada, the first chapter of the Yoga Sutras, of which there are four chapters. Um, and this is the, the book is called The Secret of the Yoga Sutra, Samadhi Pada. Okay, so I'm going to just do a couple little things that I highlighted um, in preparation because, to be honest, I, was, I knew I wanted to talk about doubt. Um, and so I went into the index and I was like, mm, doubt, 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 doubt. Where is it? Um, and then I found this one and it led me down the rabbit hole. Okay, so. Blah, blah, blah. The only solution is to cultivate a mind endowed with the ability to stop itself from drowning and then employ this transformed mind to encounter and eventually conquer the dimensions of the mind that are still smeared with negative vasanas. And so what this is saying, again, is you can't heal the issue from a mind that created the issue and so we slowly piece by piece we don't have to be a freaking rishi um we can slowly heal the mind through one pointed focus so that we can see through our bullshit just a little bit and then that mind that has the ability for vivica is clear seeing is able to call out the other parts in the mind that are you know subdued um by these habits okay Moving on, this is accomplished with abhyasa, practice. In other words, with varagya, which is detachment, we rid ourselves of old mental habits, and with the abhyasa, we create new ones. Abhyasa enables us to tap the wellspring of power of discernment, viveka. With abhyasa, we create some skaras that help the mind cultivate a taste for peace, stability, and introspection. And I think this is a really important part because... The practice is not your one hour a week situation. The practice is a daily or regular practice, um, A, that works from you, that works for you, right? And B, for the right reasons and all of that. Um, But basically that all just sums into is the practice that works for you in the mind that you currently have. But it's through the sustainability of your practice that we create a mind that craves the practice. And that's the goal. One of the goals. <laughs> the goal is to create a mind that wants to sit down and meditate, right? And so think about it like that when you're starting a practice. Like, okay, it's not about how long I meditate or having this like light show experience, but creating a mind that wants to meditate, yeah? Okay. Um, in summary, Abhyasa helps us create a new cast of mind, one that enables us to see clearly or to clearly see the negative vasanas, which are habits, and the aspect of mind propelled by them. This new mind mindset helps us see without fear and doubt. We're able to decide what type of samskara and vasana must be deleted and are confident in our ability to delete them. In this way, abhyasa assists viragya in deleting the negative vasanas, thus freeing us from the unwanted aspects of our past. By itself, however, abhyasa has potential weakness. If we're not careful, we may become attached to the process of making an ardent effort to retain the mind's peaceful flow and to the fruits that flow from it. 
right? I'm going to pause for a second. And this is where part of yoga tells us that um, being too rigid is also a hindrance on the path. And I have definitely been here where I felt like, you know, that rigidity have to do this um, at all costs. And it, you know, I needed that though, but the rigidity is, can also be a hindrance to the path. Attachment undermines the purity of abhyasa and may have negative consequences. And this is where viragya assists abhyasa, allowing us to make a deep commitment to our practice of abhyasa while keeping us free from anxiety about the fruit. And I'm going to stop us there for today. And I hope you gleamed a little bit of, (laughs) I don't know what, something from uh, this conversation with myself. And I am really looking forward to next week's episode. We'll see what it is. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Huge shout out to the man, Kyle Piper, editor extraordinaire, and really the guy who does all the work other than, you know, me sitting down to record this. I upload it and he does everything else. So Kyle, you're the man. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, If you haven't already, go check out the Patreon, Blistonic Patreon page. Even if you're not going to uh, subscribe today, check it out. Check out the tiers, what's offered in all of them. And I will hopefully see you all there. 